The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to the Lord. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is a time of judgment on this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the blessings of spending a few years living in the Palouse is that you get to witness the artistry and really admire the artistry of the uh, farmers who work those beautiful fields out there. The rolling hills of the Palouse themselves are wonderful. But when you spend time out there and you drive up and down those highways, you begin to see that there's, there's really an extraordinary talent involved in, in working those fields year after year after year. In the early, early, uh, late winter, early spring, or maybe in the late fall, you see the, these guys on their tractors pulling these big rakes behind them and they're making these beautiful furrows, turning this, this kind of fallow land into something which is ordered and, 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 and and, and beautiful, and especially when they come to the end of the, the field and they do their sort of loop back, they make these beautiful braids in the, in the land. It's just lovely to kind of look at. And, and then as time passes after they've done their, 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 their furrowing and their fertilizing and their sowing of seeds, you, you begin to see the real artistry uh, come forward. It's about this time of year when those furrowed hills and their beauty 
begin to spring forth these delicate little blades of, of wheat that are no, small, no greater than a, than a blade of grass. And they, they, at first there's just a few and they're hardly noticeable. And then within a few days they're covering the hillsides with this beautiful light green, green, um, almost like velour, like, like surface. And it's just so lovely to see, especially when the clouds clear and the sun shines on them. And then as more weeks pass, those little blades of wheatgrass grow up and become stalks. And <coughs> they develop this, this extraordinary deep green color. Very St. Patrick-y, I guess. But even deeper than Kelly green. It's so green that it's, it just takes your breath away. And they get this high and the hillsides are filled with this. It's a carpet. It's more than a carpet of green. And every once in a while a breeze will blow over those, those beautiful hills and make waves in the wheat. And it's just so lovely to see because it's so alive. And then those green stalks of wheat almost overnight suddenly turn golden. And, and that's beautiful too. It's a wonderful thing to see as the hills are covered with this golden wheat and you know that soon enough those big combines are going to come and give those fields their summer haircut and pretty soon all that wheat is going to be feeding the world and giving to it its bread. It's just great. It's a lovely thing to see the artistry of those farmers at work in the Palouse. And if you spend some time there, of course, you also get to know at least a few of them. These guys, they spent their life out there and it's a, tr it's a skill that's been passed on from father to son to father to son to father and son. How to work this land and make it fruitful and give bread to the world. They're kind of, at least the ones that I got to know, they're kind of taciturn fellows. They don't have a lot to say. They've been out in their fields for so long, it seems like kind of by themselves with their own thoughts that, that they don't need to chatter a lot. They're not a fidgety people. They're not always looking at their iPhones and wondering what they've got to do next. Instead, it's, it's like they have integrated into their own being the the beauty that they inscribe into the earth with those wonderful machines that they treat almost like, like paintbrushes. They seem to have an ability to, to see what we don't see because of our busyness. It's almost like they have a wisdom that, that we no longer have access to. That the earth, the dirt, the wheat, the seed, the rain, it's, it's, it's like it's part of them now. And they understand it. And it speaks to them. And that's something which is deep within them. And that gives them patience and perseverance and maybe most of all a great trust that the rains will come and the sun will shine. And even if a hailstorm comes and ruins part of their, their harvest, there's always next year. The cycles of the seasons roll on and on and on. And we can depend on them. There's grace in them. There's beauty in them. And that's what those artisans of the fields seem to know in the very heart of their beings. It's a great blessing 
to spend time in a place like the Palouse and see something so lovely as the harvesting and teeding and the growing of wheat in our land. What those farmers seem to have inside them, that wisdom that they've gained from generations of working the land and growing wheat and feeding the world, must also have been part of Jesus' self, of his being. We know that Jesus wasn't a farmer, he was a carpenter or a builder of houses. But he lived in the breadbasket of the Middle East. Galilee that we hear so often about back then and still today is kind of like the Palouse. It's a land that's rich and fertile and it grows wheat beautifully. And Jesus probably with his family and his friends would have helped their neighbors sowing the seed and harvesting it eventually. They certainly would have, have worked the land and known the cycles of the season and appreciated the beauty of nature at work in the fields around them. And so it's really no surprise at all that Jesus would use the images of those wheat fields to describe his message, to describe his purpose, to describe his good news to the people that he was preaching to throughout his life. And indeed, images from the fields of wheat around him come up often in his teaching. And we have one brief but important one in this morning's gospel from John. Jesus says very simply, unless a grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it falls to the earth and dies, then it gives forth a multitude of new life. That simple little image from the fields that he must have well known in his own time is something which he uses to describe clearly the meaning of his own imminent death. Jesus at this point in the Gospel of John is very, very aware that very, very soon he's going to be heading to Jerusalem. And there, of course, he's going to meet a very sad and terrible end. And it's going to be terribly discouraging and upsetting and, and traumatic for his disciples and those who've been following him. And of course, internally, it must have been a very, very difficult thing to come to grips with himself of what he knew was going to happen to him in Jerusalem outside of its walls. And so this image is a way for Jesus to, in a sense, explain to his disciples that what they see with their eyes, what they see with their eyes in Jerusalem and on the way to Calvary, and on Calvary itself, and in the tomb that follows, that that is not the whole story. That that is not the end of the story, the last word of his life. Look back at the pattern we see in nature, he says. This beautiful pattern of the wheat that grows in the fields of our homeland in Galilee. That simple pattern of death giving life, of letting go, being an act of love which nourishes others, of self-sacrifice being a gift which gives life that nothing can ever take away. 
Look at that grain of wheat as it falls to the ground and dies seemingly. And remember what happens next. The fields the following year filled with new life and new grain and new beauty. That's the key to understanding what is about to happen to me. Who knows if the disciples of Jesus got the message, at least at that point. But eventually they did because they remember Jesus saying this. And obviously at some point after the fact, it was a key to allow them to understand what had happened to him and the resurrection to follow. But Jesus uses this illustration from nature, from the fields of his homeland, not only to talk about his own death, impending and disastrous and traumatic as it will be. But he also uses it to talk about all of life. That we human beings were always in the process of letting go of ourselves. We're always in the process of giving ourselves up. We're always in the process of, of moving on to a new stage of life. And this little key of the grain falling to earth and dying reminds us that every one of those passages in our life, every one of those letting goes, every one of those self-sacrifices, every one of those little deaths that eventually lead to the great death at the end is also intended to be and designed by God to be an opportunity for new life. Jesus himself had to make all kinds of little deaths before he got to the big one. Just leaving the throne of God in heaven to take on flesh and walk with us. That was a letting go, a pouring out of himself for our love, for our grace. Leaving behind his childhood leaving behind the privacy of being a little carpenter in Nazareth and taking on a public life, leaving behind the, the difficulties of finding people opposed to him and forgiving them, leaving behind eventually his own body and blood so that we might live. All of those were passages all of those were letting goes. All of those were grains falling to the earth and dying so that new life might blossom forth. And of course, it's the same for us. It's the great challenge of our life as we grow towards God. We have a choice in life at every stage of life. We can hold on to who we were and try not to grow into who God wants us to be. We can hold on to our past hurts and resentments and our desires to hurt others because they hurt us. Or we can let them go. We can hold on to our prejudices and our darkness and say, well, we just can't change anymore. We've changed enough already. We can hold on to all that stuff inside of us. Or we can let it go. Let it die, knowing that, that we, like that grain of wheat, we, like Jesus, are passing through this extraordinary death unto life. 
And that little grain of wheat that Jesus points to in the gospel is us at every stage of our lives. Every time we put someone ahead of ourselves, every time we let go of our own ego, every time we let go of our past so that we can grow into our future, every time we let go of a hatred, every time we let go of some stage of our life, our health, our youth, and move into whatever comes next, that's the grain of wheat dying so that we might live just as Jesus dies so that he and we with him might live. And so, Jesus, with this simple little image from the fields of wheat that he grew up with around Nazareth, teaches his disciples, his followers, and teaches us that persistence and perseverance and trust in God. These great gifts that come to farmers who work the fields generation after generation are also the hallmarks of our lives as his followers. Because we know that with him we die to ourselves so that we might live for others. That with him we give up our own darknesses so that we can be free to love in new ways. That with him when all is said and done we will give up our very selves, our bodies so that we might know the fullness of life in Jesus' risen body. And so what a blessing, what a gift it is to live in a place where every time we drive down through the Palouse we can see what Jesus saw and be reminded of the great pattern of life that he has shown to us in that simple little image. Unless the grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it shall not live. It just die. But if it should fall to the earth and die, then look at the life that springs forth in multitude of grace and blessings and love.